he was a, a, a choice servant of the Lord because he was an individual that prayed a lot in this. It, and uh, we have to understand some things. Uh, God, he wants his people to be faithful in prayer and prayer for the life. And I want us to look at this man's uh, uh, name here, if you would. In Ephesians chapter number one, notice you would verse number seven. As also, he talks about uh, people being uh, praying. And uh, he says now, and is also learned of Epaphras, our dear beloved, uh, a dear uh, fellow servant who is uh, for you a faithful minister of Christ. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and of all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then if you look at chapter number four, chapter number four and verse number 12, it talks about this man Epaphras again. He said now verse number four, he said, uh, chapter number four, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salute you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And so he talks about here uh, about this man that he was a prayer warrior. Uh, years ago, I was listening to an, uh, a preacher, and he was talking about a lady in his church that later on in her, uh, when she was uh, getting older, that she was getting so she couldn't come to church. And so what she did, uh, in fact, she was an invalid. She was a shut-in. And the pastor went to visit her one day, and of course, she couldn't even get out of bed. But up on top of her ceiling, she had all the missionaries that ever came through that church. She had those cards up there and different people she would he heard about that was needing prayer. And this was her ministry. And it's a tremendous ministry that we as believers ought to take advantage of. And so uh, I want, with the night I was hoping that I could challenge you by his example to be a faithful prayer warrior. And uh, there's some things, there's several things we can learn here. First of all, we learn the foundation of his praying. Now, obviously, you know, Epaphras was a faithful man in prayer. And so uh, how could uh, Epaphras know that his prayers would be answered? Well, we know from the Word of God, the Bible tells us that God hears us when we pray. And so this was something uh, that Epaphras himself would take up on himself as to be a, a, a man of prayer. A, year, a few years ago on one of the watch night services, we had a man uh, uh, by the name of Brother Sheffy. I don't know if you folks remember him or not, but uh, Brother Sheffy was uh, a preacher of years gone by. He died in the early 1900s, and he's buried down in Dublin, Virginia, next to Dublin, and, uh, and, and he was a man of prayer. A lot of times uh, he would stop along the side of the road, and people would see him up there for hours and hours just praying. And they say James, uh, the brother of Christ, that he prayed so much that his knees looked like camel knees. There was, there was uh, calluses on his knees, and he would pray for hours and hours and hours. But Paul identifies him in verse number 12 uh, of chapter number 4. He identifies him as a servant of Christ. And so we can serve Christ by being a faithful uh, individuals in our prayer life. And uh, for example, he teaches us that one has to be saved before they can really, uh, can really uh, have their answer to prayer. And, uh, and of course, have a successful prayer life, we know that God hears us. And if you look at John chapter number 9 and verse 31, John 9 verse number 31, the Bible said, Now we know 
that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And so we see here from John chapter number 9 that until a person gets saved that God really doesn't hear their prayers. And uh, I've talked to a lot of folks before and, and they use this uh, and when I was talking to them about getting saved. Well, I know that I'm saved and I'd say, well, how do you know that? Because I, I prayed before and God heard me. Well, here's what we have to understand. We have to go along with what the Word of God has to say. It's not what we think about it. It's what the Word of God has to say. And so he tells us here that, that God heareth not sinners. But if a man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And uh, I want you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter number 3. talks about another, another uh, proof positive that God hears our prayers. 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 12. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 12. The Bible said, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now what a blessing to know that when we pray that God hears us. It's one thing to pray, and it's another thing to, to know as Christians, as believers, that God hears us. And, and it's not just what we would consider big prayers that God hears. He hears the prayers of his saints. And there's a lot of times, and I've often said this, I love to hear ch little children pray and have prayer requests because they're sincere in what they're, what they're asking. And it may be something as simple, you know, talk about their, I remember years ago I had this little boy ask me to pray for his dog. And, and so we did, and uh, that's, that's what we should teach our children is that God hears the prayers of those that are saved. And, 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 and teach our children to be people of prayer. And uh, we have to understand something about here, about Epiphras here, is identification as a servant. Now, we see here what he's talking about here, that Christ teaches us two things to, that, that will help us get our prayers answered. Number one is we become submissive, submissive. You see, a, a servant is one that has a master. And we have to realize that we have a master. We're not our own. The Bible said we're bought with a price. Paul considered himself many, many times as a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see here, willing to be a servant of Christ. And, and to be a servant, you have to be submissive and obey your master. The second foundation plank is effectual a prayer life, is a submissive life. And then in John chapter number 15, notice if you would what the Bible says there in verse number 7. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse number 7. There's that, that two-letter word, if. If ye, you, abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The next verse says, and if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so we see here that it talks about abiding in him. And then, of course, he says that, and, and, and we do his will. He said, what we ask will be done unto us. Now, David taught this over in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 66. We're going to be looking at a lot of verses, so limber up your fingers. And uh, we see that David taught this in Psalms 66 and verse number 18. Psalm 66 in verse number 18. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Underline the word regard. The word regard there means to entertain. 
It means to entertain sin in our lives. In other words, he's saying here, and, and there in the book of Psalms, he said, if I uh, regard or entertain iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So here's what I'm trying to get at tonight. We have to understand that when we go before the throne of grace, that we have to have our sins confessed. We have to confess our sin before we can go and, and get help and mercy in a time of need. Until we're willing to do that, a lot of folks, people don't understand as, as Christians even, that the reason they can't get their prayers answered. Well, the reason they can't get their prayers answered is because they're entertaining wickedness in their heart. That's what he talks about here, uh, or iniquity. And so this means that our resistance is disobedience to the Lord. In other words, if I would rather entertain iniquity in my heart, or if I would rather live a life of, 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 of sin and against God and not obeying his will for my life, then the Bible teaches us that God's not going to hear us. And so we see here, you see, what will shut, uh, shut off prayer in our lives is when we are, are people that is not willing to get sin out of our lives. We, I say this a lot of times when we go to partake of the Lord's Supper. You know, we, when we come before the Lord and we're going to have the Lord's Supper, you know, the Bible said that we're to confess our sin before we partake of the Lord's Supper. And so we see it at that word regard and iniquity, it means resistance or disobedient to the Lord. And so we see two factors here is salvation and submission. God will not hear the sins, the, the prayers of an unsaved person, and he will not also not hear the prayers of a person that's not willing to be submissive to him. And so he talks about here this man Epaphras, and he begins to identify Epaphras as a man that had his, has had his life right. And then we see we learn the frequency of his prayer. If you look back again in chapter number four, he said, Now Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salute you always laboring fervently. Underline the word fervently. The word fervently comes from the thought of heat, high heat. In other words, he's talking about this is not something that Epaphras just did an occasion or when he needed something. Here was an individual that prayed. The Bible said he labored. And I've often said that prayer is not easy. It really isn't. When we go to the Lord in prayer, there's so many things we have to understand. It, 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 takes, it takes labor because you have to understand that Satan, uh, the only, and I've said this before myself again, that the only, th the only thing that, God, that Satan fears against the believer is one that's on his knees. Because when a person is on their knees and fervently praying, then they now have entered into the throne room of God. They're now in touch with God. And, and God here, it, it takes labor. Because, again, we, a lot of times people say, well, preacher, I've got so much going on, I really don't have time to pray. Well, we don't have that much going on that we can't pray. We can pray while we're laboring. And so we have to understand some things here. Prayer was a regular experience to him. Now you take over in the Old Testament, Daniel was a man of prayer. He prayed three times a day. In other words, he prayed morning, noon, and night. He prayed that, he did that all the time. Even though, if, you, if you've ever read the book of Daniel, talked about when Nebuchadnezzar had heard that Daniel was praying, then uh, he was going to cast him into a den of lions. And, uh, but he prayed anyway. 
And when he did, God delivered him from the den of lions. Now, I don't know if he, God put him asleep or what, but, uh, but these, these types of things that was used by these individuals, it was a way to, to exterminate people. You remember the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they, they said, I'm not, we're not going to kneel down to a false god. We're not going to do it when the music comes on. We're just not going to do it. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, saying if that's what you think we're going to do, we're not going to do it. And if it be God's will for us to die in that, front, that fire furnace, then that's his will. And you know how that when they throwed them in there, the men that throwed them in there, they died from the very heat blast that came out. But the Bible teaches us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's clothes did not even smell like smoke. And when, never, when he looked over in there, after he had made that proclamation that he didn't want to throw those boys in there. In fact, the matter is, when he looked in, uh, the Bible says that he, the, the, the king looked in, and when he looked in there, he said he saw, and he asked his question, said, we did not th throw three men in there? And he said, yes, we did. He said, but there's a fourth man in there, and, he, and he's likened to the Son of God. So Jesus was in the furnace. And so we have to understand that this is what I'm talking about here. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people, they, they don't pray. They're unfaithful in the area of prayer. Two things that every Christian needs to do, and that's pray and read the Bible. Now, I'm not talking about you have to read the Bible from, and from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, but there ought to be a certain amount, uh, a certain chapters that we read every night. Uh, for, and I'm going to give you just friends to myself. I, I've said I'm going to read... I'm going to read five chapters every night. Now, by reading just five, it has you time for you to think about what you're reading. And, and as I have started doing this this past year, uh, I, I've learned some things from the Old Testament. And uh, I tell you what, when you get into the Old Testament, and, and uh, now I'm in, uh, and I just got out of Amos, and it's always a warning to the children of Israel. The children of Israel, the apple of God's eye, God's chosen people. You know, they walked away from God after God brought them out of Egypt. And he continues to remind them that judgment is coming. And judgment did come to the nation of Israel. And so we see the frequency. Daniel prayed three times. Now, in the New Testament, if you remember when Jesus went into the garden, he came back out and found them asleep. And this is what he said. Could you not pray one hour. So is one hour the amount of time that we should pray? Well, I, I tell you what, if we really labor in prayer and we really pray for people like we should and they ask us to, an hour should fly by pretty quick. And, and, I'm, and of course, we have prayer generals, generals at our church here. And, and if you write down the names of people that we ask for prayer for every week, I'm pretty sure that that prayer journal has a lot of people's names in it. And so what we, what we can do if you take just that prayer general and then you pray for our country and pray for those now in Afghanistan. And, and uh, my wife was telling me she was reading that they gathered up several Christians here just in the last couple of days. And, uh, and the, the Bible said, I mean, the, Bible, the person was talking about, it said that they, had, they uh, wanted them to renounce Christ and they didn't do it. But, they, but she said that they, that they mentioned that there was such a power that came over them when they knew they was going to have to give their lives. They was going to have to be martyred. 
and a power came over these just before uh, they were put to death. And let me say this, I've heard for many years that when it comes time for the believer to die, God gives him dying grace or her dying grace. And so we, we don't know what we're going to have to go through before we before the rapture takes place, but we ought to pray like John prayed over in the book of Revelation, even so come Lord Jesus. It would be a wonderful thing to go up into the rapture, but everybody's not going to go that way. And so we see here an unfaithfulness in an area is a symptom of our spiritual problems. The reason we, we're not walking with God like we should and, and, and talking with Him. You see, the Christian life is a two-way conversation. When we pray, we talk to God, and when we read His Word, He talks to us. And so He talks about here, indicates a, a lack of confidence. A lot of times uh, when people don't pray, it's because they have a lack of confidence that God is really hearing them. They have a lack of conf confidence, you know. It just seems like <clears throat> the only time I go to God in prayer is when I need something. And we feel guilty about that. But we have to understand that, the, listen, you see, doubt will cause us not to pray. And, and the promises of God. God is an all-powerful God, and He can do anything He wants to do. And then it indicates a lack of conviction. Conviction. You see, we have to understand that prayer is vital for the Christian life. You know, we teach our children, you know, that they're not to eat junk food. But a lot of times they eat it anyway, and they pay the consequence, you know, the dentist. And the dentist loves people who feeds their children candy and stuff like that uh, so they can get those uh, cavities and stuff. But, but I'm just saying this. We need to be convicted about our prayer. If you look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, now there's another command here. I'm not going to read the whole verse, but the what part I want you to see is there in chapter number 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse number 17. He said, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You say, well, preacher, does that mean that I'm to pray all the time when I'm awake? No, it doesn't mean that. What it means, though, to be in an attitude of prayer. In other words, I can just pray somebody to call me on the phone. Preacher, I want you to pray for me. Like Sister Houston called me after I got home today, broken because her brother had passed away. And we, we need to pray for people. My, my wife and I, we did it right then. We didn't wait till, till later on tonight. That's a problem with a lot of folks. Instead of praying when, when a person asks us to pray, We'll wait until the, the night when we're saying our devotion or reading our devotion, say our prayers in. Don't do that because what will happen, you'll forget. Uh, and, what, and then when that person asks you, well, have you been praying for me? Well, if you forgot, you're going to have to tell a lie. <laughs> yeah, I've been if we haven't really been doing that. And so we see here, we tend to pray, use prayer only as a last resort. You know, when they was praying, lead us not into temptation. It didn't say, deliver us from the temptation. He said, we don't want to enter into it. And so, see, the prayer, when there's nothing else we can do. And, and after all, Jesus wants us to pray before we do anything. I, I think a good thing for folks to do is, in the morning, if you have to get up a half hour early, it'd be worth it. And you say, well, I already get up. And like I know Randy and them, they get up about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, get ready to go to work. And... Of course, they've only got a few hours sleep, but, uh, but I'm just saying this. It would be good if people would take a little time be before they leave their home to pray. 
Pray that God will use them that day. Pray that, we'll, that God will put somebody in our past that we can witness to or be, uh, be a help to. And, I, and I've learned something else from reading my Bible. It's not all about me. It's not all our prayers. A lot of our prayers is, is God bless our home. God bless our children. Keep them safe. God provide this for us. But God wants us to be intercessors, interceding for someone else. And so we see here that, uh, that the Bible teaches us that, and, and uh, you don't have to turn over, just listen. In Luke chapter 18, you can write it down, verse number 1. The Bible talks about we to pray always. And he spake a parable to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. In other words, not faint means don't give up. Just keep on, just keep on praying. And, and so we have to understand that our prayers are to be fervent prayers, laboring fervently. It means to, to, to have our prayers that are red hot. And it means to wrestle or struggle or contend. Because I'll guarantee you, once you start praying, if you can't go to sleep at night, just start praying. And I'll guarantee you, the devil puts you to sleep. It's hard, and that's what laboring. It means to contend or wrestle and, and, and to be a struggle to do that. And there's been times that, of course, I've been tired like a lot of other people, and I wanted to pray about something, and I kept on falling asleep. So what I did, just stand up. You see, it doesn't matter if you're on your knees, laying flat on the floor. And if you stand up and pray and you go to sleep, you'll be flat on the floor. But, uh, but, but it gives you an opportunity not to go to sleep. And there are some folks that can sleep on their feet. But I'm just saying, for me, it's easy for me to stand and, and when I get like that. And so he talks about here the fervency of his prayer. It references giving a full energy to something. I'm going to give my full energy to praying. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm going to say this because she's not here tonight. Uh, my wife, and I'm not bragging on my wife, you brag on yours and I'll brag on mine, but she has a book, and, and Stephanie knows all about this. She's seen it before. And she has so many folks to pray for, she has to pray for half one night and half the next night. And she prays for, for every, every uh, member of our church, she prays for them every single day. And I've started doing that myself. Pray for everyone Every member that we've had, I pray for them every single day. Why is that? Because I don't know what you're going to be going through. I don't know what I'll be going through. And I hope that people pray for me. And so we see some, uh, we see, now how, now how are we going to pray well? Well, if you remember in James chapter number five, again, verse number 16 says the effectual, the effectual fervency must be two, there must be two reasons. Number one, it's going to cost you something. And by the way, prayer does cost. Some, for some, it costs them some sleep. And some, for others, it causes them to, you know, to turn the TV off because it's hard to pray and watch your favorite show on TV. So we have to cut it off. And so what I'm talking about here, I'm talking about it involves time. And time, really, if you think about it, is money. And so we see here prayer is costly. It demands labor. And it demands time. And how many times uh, on my wife, uh, she now has learned how to go on Facebook. And uh, I'm not, 
saying that it's good to be on Facebook. If, if it was used right, it'd be a tremendous thing. But she'll be on the Facebook as somebody she doesn't even know says, pray about this, and she will start praying for them. And I, I mean, you know, she, she'll be there, and all of a sudden she'll stop <laughs> moving it up and down, and she'll just start praying. And I know somebody has asked for prayer. The church this past week was able to be a blessing to someone. Uh, we heard that there was an individual that uh, their mate had passed away and they had to quit their job and, and uh, take, take, take care of the baby. The baby was, was having problems too. And so this lady had, she lost her husband and her baby now was sick. And of course she couldn't go uh, into work like she was before. So the church was able to be a blessing to her. But it, the biggest blessing is to pray for folks, pray for folks. And we've seen God work in, in that area. Uh, you know, there was a, a little baby we was praying for, and the baby is doing better now. And there's people that we, we prayed for, and, and, and God healed them. Now, I'm going to say this, and, and I, I know the TV evangelists and all of them w would say that I'm teaching false but God, sometimes it's the will of God not to physically touch those individuals. And a lot of times we, we, we've been praying for, uh, we prayed for Sister Houston's uh, brother, and then we prayed for uh, Brother Billy Ballou. If you remember, we talked about him, and, and we prayed that God would heal him. Well, he's healed today. He didn't heal, they didn't heal him down here, but he's with the Lord. And so we see here that, you see, prayer costs, and uh, we the conflict, it is, it's a spiritual battle. When the devil sees us on our knees, he's fighting harder at that time than any other time. Because we, he, we got a promise from the Word of God. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth not a little, but much. And so we see here we're in a spiritual battle because the fact is we must be faithful in our prayer. Be consistent in our prayer life. In other words, if God does not answer that prayer, it's reasons that God doesn't answer prayer. Now, I mentioned one of them is because uh, the believer is not right with God. They're entertaining uh, iniquity in their life. But I'm saying this, if everything is clear between us and God, God always answers, and I said this before many times, yes, no, or wait. And sometimes he tells us no. Because he knows the end from the beginning. And so we need to be faithful. And finally, we must be underline the focus of our prayer. Look, if you again, the last part of verse number 12 again. It says, for you, uh, he said, uh, always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you might stand perfect and complete in all the, what? Will of God. We have to understand that when we pray, we need to pray for God's will to be done. Because a lot of times we pray and we ask God to do some things, and it may be, and I'm not saying this because a person is sick or something like this, but God may be spanking them, you know? And so we begin to butt in on something that God is doing. That's like somebody, when, you, when you're correcting one of your children and somebody tells you that you shouldn't be doing that. Well, a lot of times when, when we pray like that, we have to say, God, your will to be done in this situation because we really don't know what God is doing in that situation. And so we see here, 
His prayer was not focused on self-desires. Again, if you remember uh, the verses we read, he was praying for you. Praying for you. And, I, and now what I do, when I do when I pray, I always leave myself to last. And when I say, well, Lord, lastly, this is what I want to ask you for myself. Spend a lot of time praying for others. Pray for everyone in the church. I pray for, uh, pray for my family uh, every night. Bring them all before the throne of grace. And then I pray for those as people that's asked us to pray for. And we have a lot to pray for. That's what I'm saying here. And then if you notice here, he focused on the spiritual development of the Colossian believers. Notice again what he said, that you may stand perfect. That means mature and complete in all the will of God. And so he's praying here. He's praying for he doesn't have a selfish desire. And we say that he's talking about being faithful in prayer and keep your right focus. Focus on the will of God. Now, God, is this your will? Is this something you want to do? Even when we pray for ourselves. And I've mentioned this before many, many times, that the greatest Christian that ever lived, he prayed and asked God three times to remove a thorn in the flesh. But that was not the will of God for the life of Paul. He told Paul, he said, Paul, now I know what you're going through. He said, but Paul, in your weakness, that's when you're made strong. He said, but my grace is sufficient for you. And whatever state God puts us in, Paul said this, I've learned something. In whatever state I'm in, there we're to be content. And we have to understand that a lot of times we have to, Epaphras here was an assessor. He prayed for others. Look, if you would, in chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 12. I want you to see something about prayer. I've quoted this scripture many, many times, but I want you to see this and maybe write it down, maybe write it down in the back of your Bible to help you to remember this. 1 Samuel chapter number 12 and verse number 23. 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord Notice this, in ceasing to pray for you. When we don't pray one for another, the Bible said it's sin. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. Who's the sin against? The Lord. What's the problem? In ceasing to pray for you. And so we have to understand that when we don't pray, when we don't pray for others, when we don't pray for the needs that we have, it's a sin against God. Reality is sort of like a lack of confidence in what God can do. I was listening to a preacher this morning, and by the way, it's all right for preachers to listen to preachers. Uh, we need it too. But he was preaching on this thing of giving. And he was mentioning, uh, he said that um, the reason that a lot of folks don't, don't tithe their income is because they don't trust God. Because God has made a promise there in the book, 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 of, book of Malachi. He said, now, if you will do what you're supposed to do, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And, and he's talking about here, it's not always finances. It's not always that. But I don't know if you went to the doctor lately, especially if you don't have insurance. 
But if you go to the doctor, I don't care what you go there for. If you can go for a hangnail, it's going to probably cost you $150, $200 before you get out of there. But, but if God's keeping us healthy, if the vehicles are running without having a problem and, and all these different things, and it, it, it's not always the money that we're going to get back, but it's how God provides for us. And uh, if you've ever run into a deal, you know, that's the provision of God. In other words, here's something that may cost, say, $1,000, but we found it on sale somewhere for $500. Well, that's $500 that God has given back to us. And, and I've seen that happen many, many times. I mean, I went before and I looked at the price of something and I said, well, that's not too bad of a price. But when I got up right to the checkout, the lady said, you're not going to believe this. I said, this, this thing just went on sale. And I'm just saying this. If, we, if our lives is focused on, on prayer, what God can do, my preacher years ago, my first pastor said this, and, and I didn't understand it at the time because I was a new convert. I'd only been saved about three or four months. He said, I even pray about where to buy socks. Now, to me, that's, that seems elementary. You pray even to, he said, yeah, I do. He said, I pray because I want to get a pair of socks that's going to last me for a little while. And let me say this. You see, we, we, we look at things, the only time God answers prayer is if it's something big. But you see, we can go to our Heavenly Father and he, we can talk to Him many times about things that we really need. And so He talks about here, first of all, the essentials of prayer. It's, it's, it's for every Christian. Every Christian. It's not just for, and it's not just for the preacher or the teacher. Prayer is for everybody. What a, what a privilege that God gives us as His children. And that's why when, when uh, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray like uh, John taught his, you remember? He said, when you pray, pray our Heavenly Father. It's first what things he taught. He is our Heavenly Father. And, and as a dad myself of four, and, and, and it's worse with grandchildren because they can get away with more, you know. And, and a lot of times when they can't get something from mom and dad, they come and see pop-up and nanny. And, uh, and we usually try to come through for them. But I, I'm just saying this. If we're the type of daddies that we should be and the types of granddaddies that we should be, you know, we want to do things for our children and grandchildren. And I've often said this, the reason that God gives us children, I mean grandchildren, is because it rewards us for not killing our children. And, but uh, we have to understand some things here. Grandchildren, and I, and I thought about this a lot of times, you know, I, if I knew, knew then what I knew now, I'd have grandchildren, not have children. Uh, but I'm just, what I'm saying here is the prayer of every Christian. So, you see, God just doesn't hear the prayers for, of the preacher and the teacher. He hears the prayers of every one of us. Last verse, chapter I want you to look at is Matthew 7. And we're going to see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 8. When you're there, say amen. Matthew 7, 8. For everyone, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knock, it shall be opened. So he says now, it's for everyone. 
A lot of times we ask folks to pray for us that we think that it's spiritual enough to do that, but we don't know who is and who isn't. What we have to understand is, but if somebody asks us, they must have confidence. And we should pray one for another. Then we see then prayerlessness is a sin. We read that there in 2 Samuel chapter number 12. When we don't pray for one another, it's a sin. And that enough ought, ought to be something that will encourage us to pray. And, and, and so we see, we found prayer is a, is a wonderful gift that we have. And I've mentioned this before with the man that I used to go to church with years ago, Mr. Ballard. And you've heard me say this before. He always said this, God, prayer can do anything God can do. Prayer moves the hand of God. And, and he tells us that he knows what we have need of before we ask. So if that be the case, he knows what we have need of before we ask, why does he encourage us to pray? Because that's when we move into fellowship with him. If you want to call it in today's language, we're on the same page. And we have folks that we can pray for. And you see, prayer is a gift. It's God's great bag of blessing. And I want to just say this in closing. There's something that God wants from every Christian. And that's people that is faithful in the prayer, in the prayer life. Prayer life. And I tell you what, it is an exciting journey too because when we pray and ask God for something and we see God move into that area, it's another proof positive that our God is real, that he is concerned about every aspect of our lives. And God can and God will answer prayer. Now, I've had people that disagree with me on this, but that's up to them. They'll know better when they get to heaven. They'll say I was right. But I don't think no, no, not too many people get saved unless somebody's praying for them. And, we, and what we don't realize, it may have been somebody that prayed for us, now they're in heaven. Because the Bible said there is rejoicing in heaven when a sinner turns to Christ. Well, who do you think's doing that rejoicing? Maybe it was a family member, a grandpa, a grandma, or a mom or dad, or somebody like that. Somebody, you look back in, in, in your life, and you think about, here's a person that witnessed to me. And, and, and that person may not even be in your life right now. But that person was praying for you. You're, you're saved today because that person was praying for you. You think about that. So now it's been, the, if you want to call this, Paul talks about running a race. It's a marathon. It, it's not running a short distance. It's labor in doing that. You watch those runners that's, that's running those uh, relay races. I mean, they're running wide open just as hard as they can go. They get back there to the finish line, they collapse. Do you know why? Because they put everything into it. Every ounce of their strength and every ounce of their body was in that race. And Paul talks about now that we're accomplished about with a greater cloud of witnesses. And those witnesses, now they've ran their race. They've ran their relay. They were prayer warriors. Now it's been handed down to us. It's our position now to take up. My wife often mentions this to her brother Ray in closing. She said, Ray, I believe the reason that God's leaving us here is because you and I 
as far as we know, are the only ones that's praying for the salvation of our family members. She prays that all the time. That's saving her nephews. And, and I mean, she, she's diligent about giving tracts to them. And every time she sees them, she talks about secular things. But I'll guarantee you before that, time, before that uh, visit is over, she's talking to them about how to know they're going to heaven. Now, it's all right to talk about the weather and the ball games and that sort of thing. Who's going to win? But when God puts us together with somebody, our job is to make sure that we give them a witness. I'm not saying preach to them because people after a while, they don't want to get around you. But I'm just saying talk to them about something. Maybe, maybe last time you talked to them, they weren't interested at all. But now something has happened in their lives that's changed their mind. And you begin to talk to them about some things. And especially someone you know that's maybe going through some some trouble, some medical problems, or their mate have be, may be having, well, how's so-and-so doing? Well, they're not doing too good. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to put them on a prayer list. Is that okay? We, most of the time, I've never had somebody say, no, no, don't pray for me. But, you know, th that's an opportunity. And then when they see God do it, God heals that body or whatever. God, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, that sinner can't pray for themselves, but we can pray for them. We can intercede for them. God hears our prayers. And the, and the Bible talks about the, the, that, 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 uh, that the sinner sees the, the, the goodness of God and it brings them to Christ. So let's not forget what our job is today, and that's to be prayer warriors. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the passage of scriptures we read tonight that you want your people to be faithful in their prayer life. Second Samuel says we sin by not praying one for another. This is a sin that probably most Christians don't even think about. That I'm going to sin by not praying for someone. And yet you tell us from your word, God forbid that I should sin for not praying for you. So Lord, tonight uh, we don't have that many folks here, but Lord, there's some folks tonight that are sick. We know they're sick. There's some folks that's going through a battle with COVID. We ought to pray for them, earnestly pray for them. And Lord, there's folks tonight that has uh, that has lost their a mate or lost a mom or a dad through this thing. What an opportunity we have! They're looking for hope from somewhere, so why don't they look for the hope from God? And I pray that we as Christians will be diligent about our prayer life and ha have somebody that when they ask us to pray for them, be in the right spirit where we can go before the throne of grace and find help and mercy. And Lord, the most important prayer that anybody will ever pray is God be merciful to me a sinner. And tonight I pray that for someone watching by the internet that tonight they will pray and ask you to forgive them that come into their heart. You've promised from the word of God, if we'd be willing to repent of our sin, trust you as personal Savior, invite you into our heart, you promised that you would do that. So, Lord, I pray that this will be a prayer that they will pray. And I pray now tonight that, Lord, that you'd meet the needs. I pray again for Sister Houston, the loss of a brother. She asks us to pray about the family members that may not be saved. I pray, Lord, that you would save them because of the death of this individual. I pray that you'd meet every need that's even here tonight. There's some things that we cannot even talk to anyone else about. It's an unspoken request, but we can always talk to you about it. 
And so, Father, I do pray that you'd meet every need. I pray, Lord, you'd help us, Lord, to be faithful, be diligent in our prayer life. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.